It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning, the 4th of July. Welcome, friends. All you runners out there who are just getting up or getting ready or going there or almost there and in the line, welcome to you as well. Welcome to everybody who is running the great 4th of July road race here in Atlanta. We'll have a little updates as we go throughout the show this morning. Clark Howard will join us at 8.01 and 8.05. We'll find out more what he's experiencing with the road race. It's a great Saturday morning. And again, the 4th of July, the day that we honor our country. And I just think this is one of the greatest holidays around. There are other holidays which are pretty nice. Veterans Day, of course, and Fathers and Mothers Day are very important as well. But the 4th of July is one that everybody gets together and shows the flag and shows their appreciation of our country. This is the Lawn and Garden Show, though, so if you have a garden question or a flower question, trees, bugs, insects, I want to say criminal criminal animals out in your landscape, 404-872-0750. If there was a jail, all right, if there was a jail for squirrels and chipmunks, I would fill it up. I have been uh, trapping squirrels and chipmunks, as some of you know. I've mentioned this a couple of Saturdays ago, that I'd started my, my annual or at least my semi-annual task of removing chipmunks and squirrels from my garden because they eat my tomatoes. Or I should say, they eat half of my tomatoes. I saw five little green tomatoes, half of them eaten on the ground next to my next to my plants the other week. And so I thought, well, I've got to get these guys out of here. And of course, there's not any repellent that works against chipmunks and squirrels. No spray, no nothing that works seemingly against chipmunks and squirrels. And I certainly don't want to hurt them, so I bought a live trap. Actually, I have two live traps because my neighbor Gus gave me one of his to use. And so I put these live traps out there beside my, beside my tomato plants. Uh, it's been probably three weeks ago that I started. I'm now up to 13 chipmunks, four squirrels, two rats, thank you very much, all of which got relocated to another public place that I'm um, hopeful they can find enough food over there and places to hide and survive, but just not in my garden. Don't survive eating my tomatoes. That's the bad part. So I'm keeping a tally soon. Hopefully, maybe the, the population of squirrels and chipmunks and rats will be cut down enough that I will actually get a tomato, which I would appreciate. I've seen neighbors of mine who have nice red tomatoes already on their vines. Walter just sitting around looking at the little golf ball-sized tomatoes because the bigger ones got eaten by the uh, critters, by the varmints out there. If you have a question about how to control insects, animals, nuisance animals, things like that, coyotes, I mean, that is one of the benefits of having coyotes in Atlanta is that they, to a certain extent, keep the population of squirrels and chipmunks and, and rabbits down. And I am not finished with rabbits either. Rabbits got into my sweet potato vines. I had two beautiful sweet potato vines, nice big golden green leaves on one, a deep, deep, deep dark purple on the other. And they were about, what, about three feet wide, nice mound of them. I thought that would be great, look good on my landscape. And then one night came a rabbit or a rabbit and his friends and ate all the leaves, all the leaves off of my sweet potato vines. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I got the... Uh, 
I got the fertilizer out, gave it a little bit of fertilizer to perk up the plant, to give it some more leaves, and it's recovering. The leaves are coming back on the sweet potato vines, but man, oh man, when I saw that whole mound had been nipped off by a rabbit, I thought, Arr! Again, no repellent on rabbits either, so there's nothing there that I can do, and I don't think they go into traps very readily either. So, when I was a kid, all right, now I'll reveal a little bit about my childhood, but when I was a kid growing up in rural Fayette County, Georgia, we would set rabbit boxes out. And I know there's some of you right now nodding your head and saying, yeah, rabbit boxes, we know about rabbit boxes. It was a wooden box with a little sort of wooden trigger and a door that fell down to close it when a, when a rabbit went into it. And remarkably, rabbits would go into it. And I think it's more because it was shelter on cold nights, mostly during the wintertime, that we would set out the rabbit boxes. And uh, you would catch a rabbit. And quite honestly, our family ate them because that was just part of the part of the deal when you live in the country. If there's a source of protein that you can get without too much trouble, then we caught and ate the rabbits there, having made a wooden rabbit box. We had two or three or four of them, I guess, that we set out. And on a cold, cold morning, the dad would send me out to check on them. And many times they would still be open and no rabbits in that one. But sometimes, yes, sometimes that little trigger would be closed and the door would be closed and you'd think, all right, all right, we got us a rabbit in here. Some of you old folks, old folks like me, who are out there listening right now, do remember using a rabbit box to capture rabbits. J.W. is in Atlanta, Georgia this morning, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, J.W., good morning. Good, good morning, Walter, and thanks for taking my call. What are you doing working on the 4th of July? I know. What is this about working on the 4th of July? I mean, Ashley's got a reason to be here. Ashley can do traffic. Scott has to be here to keep the station on the air. Why do we need a garden man on it? Well, there you go. And where is Nicole? I don't know. She's probably on one of her trips. You know, she drives oh. trucks, and so sometimes she gets too far away. That she's she very busy lady. That's yes, she right. is. How can I help this morning, J.W.? Well, I have a lot of broad leaves in my fescue lawn. Yeah. And uh, I was just wondering, what uh, what can I do? Because most of the labels on the uh, uh, this product say that uh, it's only effective between 60 and 80 degrees. And yeah. we've been a little above that. So yeah, what do but I do? Actually, you can do okay. I think you can... Uh obey the label as well as get a facial control of weeds by doing the application in the evening you know when it's still oh, warm yeah. and light outside but it's not 90 degrees outside and I think that you can find a day in fact today would be a good day all day long it's going to be uh, in the 80s I think and not a real risk to the grass so you could do it oh, in the right. evening when it's real hot or do it you know, after a rain when things have cooled down as well it doesn't, doesn't hurt them for uh, after about 10 hours I guess on the foliage of the grass it won't hurt it oh, anymore well that's good that's good to know yeah but I'm, I'm proud of you JW for reading the label and knowing what, what temperatures you can put it down because it's not unusual to have somebody call me and say hey I put some weed killer on my grass and it's all yellow right now what's up so uh, it's many you know these weed killers are not always uh, not always going to hurt your grass certainly but they also have some side effects that if you read the label you see don't put it out when it's real hot they can react with the with the leaves on your grass very good okay Walter thank you so much that's all I need you bet JW happy 4th of July we'll see you soon thank you same to you bye bye comes now Don in Moreland Georgia and Don joins us on Lawn and Garden hey Don good morning well, thank you for taking my call. Sure, man. I set up a permanent grid in my garden. It is four feet wide, two posts on either side, 
and four feet high, and it's two feet off the ground, and the tomatoes are doing fantastic. Oh, great, yeah. Oh, it's just wonderful. But I've been advised that I'm going to have to move that grid every year, and I'm thinking, (laughs) the grid is permanent. Can't I just treat the soil so I don't have to move the grid? If you are pretty good about removing diseased leaves from your tomato plants, and there are two main diseases you have to keep a lookout for. One is called early blight. It makes the leaves turn yellow and it has black spots in the leaves. That's the best way I can describe it. Black spots on the leaves, turns yellow, falls off. Remove those leaves so they don't inoculate the soil with any fungi that would cause the blight the next year. Um, The other disease besides early blight is (laughs) its twin, late blight. And late blight, even though its name says late, it still can start occurring right now. I've got a little bit of it in my tomatoes, too. But if you can be pretty good about removing diseased leaves and getting them completely away from the tomato area, there's not much else that would make you want to move those tomatoes and rebuild your arbor and trellis and everything in another place. It's just making sure that the ground around your tomatoes stays reasonably free of fungi and things that could attack it. Oh, thank you so much. You just just made my day. So many times my advice to somebody means they have to do more work. Today my advice to you is less work. Just take off the leaves and uh, get them out of there. And, you know, I guess in a couple of five years maybe you can reevaluate if it just seems like the – Tomatoes always get diseases, and they always sort of look poorly by July, then you might consider moving your trellis then. But I don't think right now is the time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Have a nice 4th of July. Yourself the same, Don. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. It's 617 on a Saturday morning. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellows weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Basically, it's going to be cloudy skies, scattered storms throughout the day, afternoon. The rain is going to be in and out most of the day. And the lows will be, or the highs, I should say, in the low 80s. And then overnight, the lows will drop down to the high 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Our friend Meg out of Smyrna says, what do you use to catch those, catch those little critters in your backyard? Hey, Meg, good morning. Good morning. So have you got problems, too, with things eating your garden? Yes, and uh, rabbits, too. I don't know if uh, if they'll go in that have-a-heart trap. Not the one that I have, because one of the things about traps is that the mesh of the wire, on some of them, on the bigger traps, the mesh is big enough that it'll allow chipmunks to escape, and that may or may not be your, be your intention. And for me, it was not my intention. I wanted chipmunks as well as squirrels as well as those little rats I was surprised to find in mine. So uh, the smaller traps, I don't think rabbits would go into, but certainly the squirrels and the chipmunks do. Okay, so what kind of bait do you use? You know, I use uh, uh, sunflower seed. I just drop a little tablespoon, probably, of sunflower seed on the trigger. And in one trap, actually, I have a jar lid that I put the sunflower seed on that back behind where the trigger is, so they have to walk on the trigger in order to get the bait. And one more thing on one of my traps, Meg, I use clear packing tape and wrap around the the far end, if we want to call it that, the far end of the trap, so that no squirrels can reach through the mesh and grab the seeds and not go into the trap and, uh, and be caught. And so 
one of the things I, again, want to sort of mention is that when you release a squirrel or a chipmunk, don't do it in a place that you're going to just give it to somebody else's garden and make a nuisance right. there. In my case, this is a, a public place, which I'm not going to name, but it is supported by taxpayer dollars. I am a taxpayer, so I figure I have a right to drop off a squirrel or a chipmunk in this place. So, again, <laughs> you figured it out, but don't drop it in your neighbor's yard or even your next-door neighbor down the street by any means. You want to take them at least a couple of miles away. Okay, because I, I tried peanut butter, but I didn't have much luck with that. I was surprised. I, tried, I did the same thing and just ooh, five, four days ago, I guess now. I took a piece of aluminum foil and smeared some peanut butter inside it and crumpled it up a little bit so the peanut butter was, you know, wouldn't get washed off in the rains and things like that and put it into one of the traps to see. And I would say the peanut butter didn't do as well as the sunflower seeds did. Yeah, I, same observation that you have. Yeah, and they have... They were raiding my bird feeders all winter for the sunflower seeds, so that makes sense. That's something they like. Have you tried squirrel-proof uh, feeders, Meg? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Well, you will. So. <laughs> the ones that Pike sells are terrific. The, the Droll Yankee, I believe it is the brand name. Have you seen the videos of these squirrel-proof feeders at Pike? No, but a friend of mine got one for Christmas last year, and he was telling me about it, and he says, this is the best feeder there is. <laughs> He's, if, there are three models that I think work really well. Um, one, and these are big tubes, of course, and got a little green sort of rail down that the birds can uh, land on. But the one that everybody loves watching is the battery-operated Tilt-a-whirl, squirrel-a-whirl, whatever you want to call it, because when a squirrel gets on it, it's weight of the squirrel pulls down the little green uh, rail, then the whole thing flips around a couple of times, and the squirrel is hanging on for dear life trying to, trying to stay on the bird feeder, but they inevitably get flung off. And there, there's another one that has a rail that sort of drops down a couple of inches and covers over the gates. That's the one I have, and it works very nicely. And another one that has a little um, spring-loaded pins that come out from the bottom of the bird feeder. When the squirrels get on that, they flop to the ground and look very surprised and try to jump up again and they still can't get on it the birds are you know, birds are safe on those little spring-loaded pins though so there are a lot of ways to get a, get around squirrels by trying one of these squirrel proof feeders inevitably there's going to be some seeds on the ground though and that's where the squirrels and chipmunks and, and rats come in they're just cleaning up underneath the bird feeder but uh, for them I got a nice place nice place that picked out they can take a little vacation summertime vacation <laughs> for the animals in my backyard all right all right Meg it's great talking to you thanks for calling thank you bye-bye our number is 404-872-0750 this is Lawn and Garden I'm Walter Reeves and don't forget we'll have full coverage of the Peachtree Road Race coming up later this morning we'll be back right after news Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636, 66 degrees outside a great Saturday morning, the 4th of July to you. The Peachtree Road Race will be kicking off in just a minute with the wheelchair racers, and we'll have the regular able-bodied racers coming a little bit after that. It's going to be a great Saturday morning. Lots of sweat, lots of water, lots of 
retired folks with Peachtree Road Race t-shirts to show off to their neighbors later on this afternoon. Ben in Decula has been waiting for a great long while, and Ben joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ben, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine, man. How can I help? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, listen, we have uh, two big trees in the front yard, and um, it is probably get about probably getting part shade. Yeah. And we have Bermuda all up in the front, and it is just really kind of growing thin under there. And I tried using fescue last year, and I'm not really pleased with it because mm. of the rate that it grows higher than the Bermuda. Yeah. So what's a good seed that you would recommend that's a, that's a nice blend um, that I could put under the, plant under the tree or seed under the tree? I think you have two choices. One is Bermuda grass. There's one Bermuda grass variety called Tiff Grand that has been on the market for three years now. I guess it's three years that Tiff Grand has been around. And it is reputed to be more shade tolerant than most Bermuda cultivars are. I will okay. warn you, though, that it's very difficult to assess how much sunshine and how much shade you really have. And so what I think you ought to do is find a vendor, find a side person, and say, I want to see some of the properties where you've laid Tiff Grand Bermuda, and then go and visit them and just look. You know, you can see it from the street. You can see how well the Bermuda is doing. And if it looks like they and these other customers' homes have the same conditions of shade and their Bermuda is doing fine, their Tiff Grand is doing fine, you can say, okay, it'll probably work at my house. But if they have less shade than you do and uh, their Tiff Grand is just not doing very well at all, they say, well, I don't know if I want to use the shade-tolerant uh, Bermuda or not. Another, another choice, honestly, is Zeon Zoysia. Zeon has a reputation of being able to take a little more shade than other Zoysias and maybe a couple of the Bermuda grasses as well. But that's another one that I think it all depends on your installer's um, 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 knowledge of what's happened at other people's houses with the same amount of shade and sun that you have. Okay, well, they've got um, over at Lowe's the Zenith uh -huh. uh, Zoysia. Yep, is yep. that pretty good? It's a great grass in full sun. Zenith is awesome in full sun. I don't know offhand what is it, shade tolerance, and that's something you need to check out. But again, I would let your own vision and you know inspection of other places that have Zenith or Zeon or Tiff Grand, either one, to make sure that those conditions match what you have. Because if you have a lot of shade, a lot of shade is not going to make either one of those happy at all. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Ben. All right. Gary is with us with a question about his tomatoes. Gary, hey, good morning. Gary, hey, man. Oh, Gary can't hear me again. Let's go to Matt then. Matt's in Madison, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Matt. Morning. How are you? I'm morning. well. I'm very well, Matt. How can I help? <laughs> I have a tip for you to keep the critters out of your tomatoes and whatever. I mean, out of the garden. I'm all ears. My grandmother has always used this, and I remember it from when I was a little kid. And I use it now, and I mean, we plant a really large garden every year. And it's human hair. You can go to any beauty salon and get it for free. We always just put it in a little um, pair of pantyhose sure. tied up on the end of the road. Sure, sure. And I have never had a squirrel, a rabbit, or anything in my garden. And I mean, my garden's 50 by 150. One of the problems with being a garden advisor, the thing that I do, is that when I give advice, I need to make sure that I'm pretty confident that I'll get at least 90% uh, effectiveness of whatever technique or poison or insecticide or whatever I recommend. I want to be sure that in most cases it's going to work. 
And the problem with hair is that I get people like you, Car uh, Matt, who say, yeah, I use hair. We never have rabbits, never have squirrels, never have anything. And then other people who say, man, I put two pounds of hair around my tomatoes, and those rabbits still came in and ate my tomatoes. Well, my so. grandmama always said you you, you got to change it out at least once a week. And if it gets <laughs> real, real wet... It quits working. I'm reminded of my colleague, Charlie Tucker. Charlie Tucker was my Extension Service colleague way back in the early 70s. And I remember one day I came to Charlie and I said, Charlie, this guy's on the phone and he wants to put bear, not bear, beer, he wants to put beer and uh, dish detergent on his lawn. He says that makes his lawn pretty. And I know that doesn't work, Charlie. What should I tell him? And Charlie looked at me and he was very experienced even at this time. And he said, Walter, you just can't argue with success. Meaning that if this guy has a green lawn and he's using beer and dish detergent on his lawn, why tell him that doesn't work when he's got his green lawn out there to prove to you that the beer and the dish detergent does work? Which, by the way, science says neither beer nor dish detergent nor cigarette butts nor birth control pills nor any of those things oh, to make your lawn better. But Charlie said, you know, you can't argue with success. And I can't argue with your success, Matt. If you think that hair works well, I encourage all our listeners out there to try it. As you say, it's free. It's easy to get. Uh, and you can go and, and try it and see what happens and let me know what your results are. But I think the hair is a 50-50. It's not a 90-10 kind of situation. Yeah. But, hey, if it I, works, don't you can't argue with success. Charlie oh, certainly oh, taught yeah. me that. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your time. You have a great day. Tell them hey in Morgan County for me, Matt. Uh, yes, sir. 404-872-0750 is the number on lawn and garden. One of the ways that uh, I knew it was rabbits that were taken care of, or taken care of, that were taken out, my sweet potato vines, is rabbit teeth are, they're opposite each other. They have incisors in the front of their mouth, of course. And when they bite something, a stem, for instance, it's very sharp. It's usually at about a 45-degree angle, but it is a very sharp bite. It looks like somebody took a pair of scissors and just made a very clean cut on the stem of the plant. And that occurs not only on herbaceous plants like sweet potato vines, but also roses and hydrangeas and a couple of other things that, that rabbits gnaw on. Always, the cut is going to be very sharp. Now, for deer, it's a completely different looking cut. Deer don't have top teeth in the front. They use their bottom teeth to, to nibble on things. And so when you see a branch on a rose or hydrangea or something like that that's been chewed on by a deer, the cut will be at around a 45 degree angle, sure, but it'll be very ragged because he just uses his bottom teeth to sort of tug on it, tug on it, tug on it and pull it up out of the out of the ground, or not pull it up, but actually to sever the stem there. So very ragged cut with the teeth of a deer, very sharp cut with the teeth of a rabbit. And on my website, I have also the way to tell the difference between deer, uh, deer poop and rabbit poop. Rabbit poop to me seems to be a lot more round. Almost all of them look like little cannonballs on the ground. Deer feces, deer scat, on the other hand, is a little more oblong. And so if you see a little pile of uh, fecal material from a rabbit or from a deer, you're not sure which it is, look at the shape. The rounder ones seem to me to be always rabbit, and the deer seems to be more oblong. That's how you can tell the difference between the two of them and maybe tell what technique you want to use to try to get rid of them. Our number is 404-872-0750. Ann is out in Douglasville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Ann, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have little yellow oval-shaped bugs with black things sticking out all over, and they're chewing my cucumbers. Yeah, perfect description, perfect description, Ann. There are two 
they look like ladybugs, the adult form anyway. They look like ladybugs. They're uh-huh. not lady beetles. But these, you have the Mexican bean beetle eating your squash or cucumber, I believe you said. Uh, and the little yellow thing is the larval form of that particular uh, beetle. And not only does the larval form eat the leaves, but the adult form does too. So you will not be surprised, I hope, to go out and look at your computer, your uh, cucumber vines and see those yellow things with the little black spikes coming out of them that are chewing on sections of the leaves. But if you look around in a week or so, when they have pupated and hatched into the adults, you'll see a bunch of what look like lady beetles also happily chewing on the leaves mm. of your garden plants. So you've got to control them. They will definitely make some big damage to the leaves of plants. What do I do? One of them that is pretty easy to do if you don't have too many plants and too many leaves on the cucumbers or the squash or beans and whatever you have is simply to go out on a cool, hopefully cool afternoon, and look underneath the leaves. And there will be little yellow oh, masses, about a, not big as a dime, about as big as half of a dime. And these masses of eggs that they've laid on the underside of the leaves – if you're not too squeamish about the whole deal, you can take your thumb and just squish them. Just squish the eggs on the backside of the leaf, and that controls them very nicely. If you're pretty good about going about every three, four, five maybe days to examine and make sure you don't have any of the eggs. No eggs, no larvae, no larvae, no adults, no adults. And we don't have any damage to our cucumbers and squash and beans. If you feel like you just don't want to squash them with your hands, that's too I've been squashing them. If that's the right thing to do. If you don't mind doing that, then keep it up. But if you want to use an insecticide, some of the organic folks uh, believe, and I think they have good success with uh, Spinosad, which is uh, what's the brand name, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. So spinosad works on them, but you have to really you know, hit them with it. You can't just leave it on the leaves and have them wander through once in a while during the day, but hit them with the insecticide Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, and then any of the Bayer and Ortho products, Bonide products that say for general insect control in the garden, you could use those as synthetic insecticides. But somebody's got to do something. You can't just leave them alone because, and they will make a mess of your cucumbers, your squash, your beans. They just don't, they, just, they're just bad. anything, just any general kind? Yeah. Yeah, if it says kids, label for use in vegetable gardens. That's the main okay. thing you want to look for. Okay, and they won't the hurt label. the bees, will they? Because I have lots of bees out there. Whoa, we got to be very careful then because we don't want to hurt the bees. So the best thing to do is to wait until later in the day. Once there's still light outside around 7.30, I guess. It's still light outside, 8 o'clock maybe. And you can see to walk in the garden easily. But honeybees by that time have all pretty much returned to their hive. And so if you spray insecticide then, you're going to get mostly bad bugs. And the next day the insecticide has a pretty short half-life and so there's not much of the insecticide still left on the flowers and and leaves and everything and if you can avoid spraying on the on the flowers then you're home free because that's the only thing a bee really comes to in your vegetable garden is the flowers not on the leaves or stems okay all right well thank you walter it's great talking to you and thanks for calling bye-bye Perfect description, by the way, of the Mexican bean beetle or the squash beetle, both of them. The yellow part, the yellow larvae is what you'll notice first. They are bright, bright, bright yellow. I mean, really bright yellow, and they have little black spikes sticking out of their body. Easy to see, easy to squash if you want to squash them, or easy to detect and then use one of the insecticides that I talked about. Coming up in the next half hour, Chuck and Swanee wants to talk about using... A more personal product than hair to repel rodents and deer in the garden. Richard and Nicholson has uh, pepper plants eaten up by bugs, wants to know what to do. And Matt has a question about aerating his Bermuda. Well, that's the right time to do it right now. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You can expect cloudy skies, trays, thunderstorms throughout the morning. Afternoon's highs reaching to the low 80s and cloudy conditions remaining in the metro overnight. Low temperatures down into the high 60s overnight. Very pleasant, actually. If you can avoid the rain, you can have a nice picnic on the 4th of July. Show off your Peachtree Road Race number. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My friend Jack is running the road race this morning. Welcome, Jack. I'm glad you're there running the road race, and I'm sure your lovely wife, who you mentioned always, is supporting you in your running. Chuck is in Swatty. Chuck joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chuck, hey. good morning. Hey, Walter. I'm on the way down to run this morning. I was All listening right. in, and uh, I couldn't help but call. We have a lot of flowers up in Swanee in our yard, and um, rabbits, deer, they were all coming in and eating. We had a guy at Home Depot tell us, Put a little fox urine on it, which yeah. you can buy at Home Depot in the gallon. Yeah, sure, sure. And and we didn't have to spray it all over everything, but uh, for one, it's really hard to tolerate <laughs> when you spray it. <laughs> but I'll tell you, just a hint of it here and there, foxes, uh, that fox urine, it got all of those rodents. Um, the deer, they don't come anywhere near our yard or flowers. I don't know how it would work on the garden. It's kind of gross to think about. Yeah, it is. I actually know of gardeners who use, uh, as I said earlier, a more personal thing from their bodies to use around the garden. Mostly it's just drinking a beer yeah. and going out and anointing the concrete blocks and bricks around the garden to have a nice place for the urine smell to sit around for a while. I'm 50-50. I'm, I'm a little bit more than 50% maybe uh, confident that the Predator urine, like uh, fox urine and coyote urine, things like that, do have some repellent effect on squirrels and uh, rabbits and other things that would be eaten normally by those animals. Now, lion urine, I'm not sure they know exactly what a lion looks like and if a yeah. lion would eat them, elephant, you know, all that kind of stuff, probably not. But fox, but it's coyote. It's a circle of life kind of deal idea, isn't it? They yeah, know I, what that scent is. I think they know what that scent is. I'm Again, I'm not 100% sure that it's always going to work for everybody. I try to aim for that when I, sure. when I make my recommendations, but I think it's more it likely than us. not. Let's put it that way. More than 50% likely that a predator urine would drive away uh, rabbits and chipmunks and okay. things like that. And I may just run by Home Depot and get me some of that stuff. That might be, a, and I yeah. take your advice uh, carefully. Just a little bit goes a long way. <laughs> That's right. Have a great day, Walter. Hey, Chuck, thanks for calling. Have a fun race. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. Let's go to, we got time for Richard in here, if he's pretty quick. Richard, let's go for it. Hey. Hey, Walter. Hey, Richard. Hey, listen, uh, I've got some uh, squash, tomatoes, and pepper plants set out. My squash and tomatoes look great. The bugs have left them alone. My bell peppers are right there beside banana peppers, and the, the insects have left my my banana pepper alone, but they're just concentrating on my bell peppers. They're just tearing them up. Do this for me as an experiment. Put a saucer beside your pepper plants that you have these holes in the leaves. Put some beer in there and see how many slugs and snails you catch, because that's what I see most often on pepper plants is slug and snail damage and not insect or something else chewing the edges of the leaves, but right in the middle 
of the leaf is where I see a damage a lot of the time, and that's slug or snail. And you can just monitor the population, kill a good many of them just by putting a saucer, fill it full of beer, sort of push it into the ground so the lip is right next to the ground level. So do that and see if you can get some slugs and some snails. If it's not them, it's probably caterpillars. That's another thing that makes holes in the middle of leaves. And for caterpillars, uh, if you didn't catch any slugs and snails, then go to a garden center and say, I need some BT for caterpillar control. Bacillus thuringiensis, very organic, harmless to humans and mammals, but BT will kill your caterpillars. So try beer, try the caterpillar killer. One way or another, you won't have holes in the pepper leaves. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Now I'm a believer, not a trace. 